0: letters to women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. The truth about being a parent is that you don't have to have everything together. In the last episode, we sat down and chatted with Sarah Swafford about not being perfect. This week's episode, we're going to dig into how that plays out, especially in the season of our lives as mothers. Colleen Duggan learned that her family and her motherhood doesn't have to be perfect. And she shares this so beautifully and in frank and authentic ways through stories of how she came to that realization. This week's podcast is sponsored by Pink Salt Riot. If you're looking for a great last minute Mother's Day gift, check out the Mother's Day collection and the Marion collection over at Pink Salt Riot's website. You can find links to these collections in today's show notes. We are welcoming to the show Colleen Duggan. She is a author of a beautiful book called Good Enough is Good Enough, Confessions of an Imperfect Catholic Mom. And I think in a world where we are told that we should be perfect as mothers and perfect as women, this book is just such a refreshing read. So welcome to the show, Colleen. So glad to have you on here. What a treat. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, for sure. Can we just start off by, for those listeners who haven't encountered your work, can you share just a little bit about your story and your life as a Catholic woman? Sure.
1: I am a wife and mom. I've been married for about 15 years, and I have six children ranging in age from four to 14. So Mm -hmm. I have, I mean, I've got my feet in both worlds, little (laughs) kids and big kids, and uh, the big kids have provided a new, uh, adventure. Let's just put it that way. I'm enjoying <laughs> them, but it's just different challenges. Yep. And, um, I started writing from my home when my, my oldest kids were all in diapers and I just, I have been writing literally for over a decade wow. for, I, I started blogging and then I just would submit articles to different places and, um, I had luck doing that. I was always surprised when uh, they would accept something and they would even pay me. I was always so excited and surprised. And eventually I was able to uh, write this book mm-hmm. that it, it was a long time in coming from some of my experiences in those early years of parenting, mm-hmm. all the different uh, trials and tribulations that I encountered that helped helped form me and, and uh, make me a better parent. And I share those in the book.
0: I love it. I love we're. Almost in the same spot. Well, you're a few years ahead of me when it comes to little people and marriage, but having that that surprise when you send off an article and it's like, oh, they they liked it. That's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: just, it's so funny how, you know, when I quit working, I thought it was the death of my professional career. Mm -hmm. And I just really struggled with that. And I talk about that in the book. And I just, I didn't know how to reconcile the gifts that I really felt like God gave me. And being at home—not that I don't use those gifts in my home, I do—but it w- it was different w- in being with little kids all day, and you right. don't have that adult company necessarily. And yep. I, I I liked being in the world, and I liked my job, and so how to how to use those things that I had really my skills that I had honed? How, how did that translate into, you know, running a home and family? It was it was a real challenge. So. I really feel like through my vocation, God revealed to me this this gift that I have in, in terms of communication, for better or for worse. <laughs> my family might say it's for worse, but th- th- that I would never have discovered necessarily if I had been pursuing my career full-time or if I had gone back for even more education or whatever, if I had been really focused on growing my success in the world, I don't mm-hmm. think I would have ever discovered this love I have for writing and and working with other women the way I have. And it's been such a gift. You were talking about how your podcast has been so life-giving. And that mm-hmm. is how I feel about this work that I've done on the side in the small pockets of time that I've had to devote to extracurricular things outside of my family. I feel like I've come to know a greater part of myself because I had that extra time. And because I kind of died to what I thought I wanted, you know, in in turn, you know, just God's plans were different than mine and Mm -hmm. they've been so much bigger and better than I could have imagined for myself.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful to watch him like bless the season, especially after a sacrifice, especially after you like make that dive in and surrender and to see the blessings that come from it. That's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah.
1: It's painful at the beginning though, isn't it? (laughs)
0: It's so true. It is so (laughs) true. (laughs) yeah yeah thank it's like yeah you you've sown seeds and, and now you get to watch them bloom and that's so beautiful so and yeah like you said life-giving like this book is incredible um let's dive into that a little bit um can we go back into your family of origin you talk about this in the book and how your family of origin affects how you today parent as a mom
1: yeah well I talk in the book a lot about how I was the oldest child of um an alcoholic my dad is a retired colonel in the Marine Corps, and it was a Vietnam War vet, and my parents are such good, beautiful people, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but he, because of his experiences in life, um, he carried some wounds into his marriage and parenting from just being in war, which I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And then my mom also had some um, wounds that she brought in from her own childhood. And so they, despite the fact that they provided a good home and they were loving and good people, the way that they interrelated between the two of them and then also sometimes with us wasn't, you know, wasn't, it wasn't always ideal. And no parent is, no matter what, whether there's addiction in the home or not. And so I consequently developed some coping skills. Um, I became high achiever, mm-hmm. and I'm a type A person anyway, and a little high strung and <laughs> intense, you know, yeah, yeah. no matter what kind of upbringing I had, I, you know, that is definitely the way I'm wired, and so, so I kind of overcompensated to distract and detract mm-hmm. away from the, some of the painful things happening in, our, in my home, and so I became, you know, like a high achiever, and I I, I did well, and I put a positive face on on the family, mm-hmm. and so you know, in college and in graduate school and in work, those, that's great. People love Type A personalities they that do. are high-strung and work hard <laughs> and you know work eighty hours a week. That that's really great. But when you have a family and are married and you have a whole bunch of babies right away, um, you know, all of my controlling tendencies my tendency to be Mm self-sufficient and want all my ducks in a row, my I's dotted, my T's crossed, (laughs) that really didn't serve me so well anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think I would have had the struggle no matter what. Like I said, this is really how I'm wired. So it was not necessarily – it wasn't at all my parents' fault. It was just something that developed over time, evolved, and really – I embraced as my own as I be, as I became a young adult and then an adult, mm-hmm. married with kids, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't all that helpful. So I was kind of miserable, you know, trying to manage all these little kids, and then my husband and I would have some communication things, and I'd be like, "Oh my goodness, I'm trying so hard. Why is
0: everything falling apart?" Oh, gosh, dang it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it's so important to like you pointed out throughout this story, like my husband and i do a lot of marriage retreats and are working on being a mentor couple and one of the main things that we hone in on is like family of origin like why do we do what we do like it's it's part of it like you said part of it's like our personality the the temperament god gave us um that definitely plays a part in it but also like our family of origin affects like how we interact today and like you said so beautifully like it's not because our parents are awful parents it's just because our parents are human and like humans are messy because heck we're messy too like as their kids (laughs) I know I am. True, my kids are going to have the same thing. You know, I I was thinking actually yesterday I had
1: a rough moment with one of my preteens, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, what is she going to say twenty years from now? You know, you no know. parent is perfect, right. and my parents did the did the best they could, even better than they could. Yep. You know, given what they had. Right. And yeah, we but we we are those those things form us early on Mm -hmm. and we bring them into our marriage for sure.
0: Right. Right. So like being a perfect parent is just is one of the lies that women are told today, especially as mothers that they, you know, you have to be perfect. You have to have it all together right out of the gate. Like with your firstborn, you should have it down. Um, What are some other lies in during the research of your book as your experience as a Catholic wife and mom? What are some of the lies that, that were told as women today when it comes to parenting?
1: Well, I mean I I think I had the grave misfortune of reading too much. <laughs> yep. We have too much uh, like <laughs> knowledge available to us at the push of a button oh, these it's days. Oh, so true. And I, you know, being the type A personality that I am when I had my kids, I wanted to make the best decisions for them that I knew that I knew. And as soon as that baby is placed in your arms, you're supposed to have ideas and opinions about Bottle or breast? Are they going to use a pacifier? What kind of diaper? There's just and it goes on and on and on with these different, you know, uh, issues that you're confronted with with parenting. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do the best for my kids, and so I would go to these books and I would read and I would I would try to figure out what the most perfect parenting answer or solution was. And then it wouldn't work in my life, you know, like I, I had my first two babies are 11 months apart. Mm -hmm. And so that right there put me in a different category than some of these, these parenting books talk about, you know, how to, how to parent your toddler, you know. I I mean I had two toddlers. Right, right. <laughs> so it was just like how did I follow all the advice?
2: <laughs> so I
1: I think one of the lies is just the idea that we have to we have to know perfectly mm-hmm. the best course of action for our family. And I, yes, it would be great if if we did know always the best thing, but sometimes through trial and error, we figure out, oh, this isn't really working out the way I thought, and maybe something else would be different right. And and to have some to feel confident about being flexible about mm-hmm. what it is that we decide. Mm-hmm. I think we well, at least for me, I think I have to pick something and stick with it. And there it's really kind of stifling and narrowing and then we look at our other friends and we see what they're doing and and so we can have these these ideas about education and you know stay-at-home parenting versus working parenting or right. all these different lifestyle which what what I think are really lifestyle choices mm-hmm. and kind of label them as good or bad yeah. and I don't I
0: just think it's really limiting
1: mm-hmm. and um not necessarily helpful in feeling confident about our vocations as moms.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the mommy wars. Yeah, like when we yeah each other, each other against each other. Yep, Yeah, It's just not very, not very life giving, not very fruitful. And gosh, we I at least as a woman for my story, like I struggle with comparison enough already. Like having to add in like comparing. You know how how we parent versus how another person parents. Like everyone's family is different. We all have our own stories, and and looking around at other people's stories can be helpful in some ways, right? Because you can find different ideas for for how to parent. But in some ways, it's it's not going to help us uh, nearly as much as we want it to, and discern what's best for our family. Yeah,
1: yeah, and with your spouse because mm, our spouses yes. aren't like everyone else's spouses, yes. and you know my husband and I have our our own strengths and weaknesses that are very different from the strengths and weaknesses of my best girlfriend's husband mm-hmm. and her and and her. So, you know, it's to just think that there's these broad sweeping generalization, you know, general practices that we can implement in our family, it's really a disservice to the unique creations that each of us are. Right. There's just no one fits one size fits all approach Mm -hmm. and certainly not in parenting or marriage and family life. Right. So I I think that the the idea that there is one that we can just figure it out and then implement it is not a
0: helpful uh, idea. I agree. I agree 100%. And when it comes to like taking care of ourselves as women, taking care of ourselves as mothers, we've all been guilty of not thinking that we're worth self-care. Can you share, you share this story so beautifully in your book, the story of your mom and the pair of black slip on shoes.
1: Yeah. My mom is such, um, I call her like mother earth. She's just a really, you know, she loves babies. She's good with toddlers Mm -hmm. and it was, she really delighted in her kids and it was, um, her kids were her life. I mean, they just, they just lit up her life Mm -hmm. and she served us in a way that was really heroic and beautiful and admirable, but also to her detriment. Mm -hmm. As she'll say now, uh, she's had a lot of healing and growth in her, in her own life. And as a kid, she never, I remember that she never bought herself anything new. And Mm -hmm. my dad did well financially. We lived in a nice neighborhood and in a a nice suburb. And we went to private Catholic schools. And I share this because there was extra money to do nice things. And we had a nicely decorated home, but she and I can remember looking, even as a young teenager, looking at her shoes thinking, why didn't she go buy herself some new shoes? Yep. She wore these same pair of black slip-on shoes for over 10 years, mm-hmm. and they were falling apart, and they, you know, they, they, they just were falling apart, and she really she would never have had us walk around with those kinds of shoes i mean we had new things when we needed them and things were replaced and even things that we didn't need we Mm -hmm. received as gifts Mm -hmm. and she would never have allowed us to go around in those kinds of shoes but for herself she really embraced this distorted notion of christian sacrifice because i think she wanted to be a good mom she wanted to be a good wife she wanted to be a good parent and so she sacrificed everything including including even taking care of her own self. Yes. And, you know, that overused sometimes analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on first yes. in an airplane if it's falling. Yep. They say put your ma- oxygen mask on first before you help someone else. Yep. I, she did not have a, a proper understanding of, of what that entailed. Mm-hmm. And so she just gave and gave and gave and gave to the point where – it was it was probably not good for her and I carried those own tendencies into my marriage myself you know and I think it's hard you know because we love our families so much and and women want to be generous right we it, it's such a fine line between um, you know really serving and then denying ourselves in basic human ways mm-hmm. and so my mom um, she you know as an adult has has since you know, even within the last couple of years called me and said, tearfully said, I'm so sorry. I was such a bad example. Oh. And the thing is, yeah, it was really beautiful. I'm, and of course I was like, mom, it's fine. You're, you're good. <laughs> but, you know, we can still teach our kids. I mean, I'm 41 and my mom, you know, calling me and saying like, you know, do what you need to do to take care of yourself so you can take care of your families was really impactful for me
0: right. and helpful. Mm-hmm, hmm Yeah, I think it's so so easy to get caught into the trap of thinking that self-care is selfish, whether it's like taking a day off or going and making sure that you're eating well or like even things like, like simple, like basic health care is, is, is good to focus on too or just getting out of the trap of thinking that like, oh, I'm taking time for myself, I'm selfish. Like that's not true. Yeah, it's so
1: not – and I think it's actually – talk about lies. I think that is definitely a lie yep. the evil one uses – uh, to distract us from doing the thing that we need to do in order to continue to serve. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're totally burnt out, then we can't do what God is calling
0: us to. Right, right. I think another like part of, that feeds into that lie is that self-care in our world is so commercialized. Like, oh, and oh, self-care is a glass of wine and a spa day. Like, no, that's just such a limiting view of self-care.
1: <laughs> it really is. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And and we do have this Western notion yeah. of of what self-care is and it's not always authentic and rejuvenating yep. and but we buy into it i know i have in my and there's nothing wrong i don't think with a spot A Mm-mm. but that isn't going to nourish everyone in the same way right i don't right. think yeah it, i think all of us are different and what nourishes you might be different than what nourishes me yep. but i think we all are the same in that connecting with god in, in, yes. in, a, in a real way in mm-hmm. an authentic way is going to be uh empowering Mm -hmm. us it is it is a form of Mm -hmm, mm self-care
0: that's so true but yeah it's easy to put ourselves on the back burner another thing as a mom that's easy to put on the back burner is our marriage like our marriages change when we have little people um (laughs) very much so (laughs) you point this out so beautifully in your writing like can, can you explain like why it is it's not to the benefit of raising our littles to put our marriage on the back burner
1: yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm the perfect person to answer that question. <laughs> I know, that, but I can tell you that I've learned mm-hmm. from that. Is And it's partly, when you're in survival mode, I mean, I had three kids under the age of three at one time. And I mean, we were just trying to get, I was trying to keep them alive. That right. was my goal yes. <laughs> for, for the day, was keep them alive yep. and well-fed and dressed and cared for. Yep. And that was a huge goal. And you're in survival mode. And. And that, and that might happen even for a couple of years. And it's so easy, I think, to fall into this trap of trying to just exist and get by that for me, we forgot, we forgot even kind of like why we liked each other. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds kind of cynical, but as my kids have gotten older and I'm, I mean, I'm just coming out of the baby years of, you know, I have a four-year-old, but it's not like. The day-to-day rigor that it is when you have a bunch of little babies and right. toddlers—it right. is different. My life is different now, and I have someone who can babysit and help me. Yeah. But for a long time, we didn't have that, and as we started to come out of the that season of really crazy parenting, mm-hmm. uh, um, I was like, "Who, who, who are you, John? I don't know who my—I didn't know right. who my husband was, and right. we had kind of developed some bad communication habits. Mm-hmm. I think the. Because we were in survival mode and we were so tired, and um, so for us, we found we, also the other thing was that we kept having the same fight. I always say, if you're having this, if you if you're having the same fight about, and it might be only two or three things that you 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 disagree on, you know, uh-huh. whether it's um, for us, it's been you know money issues mm. that's been a big one, yeah. money issues. Yeah. If you're having the same communication things um, that we just couldn't like we couldn't ever make headway on, Mm -hmm. we decided, okay, we need to bring in a third party because I'm irrational when I'm trying to bring this up and I didn't feel heard by him and I was acting like a crazy person. So we started going to counseling. And in doing that, we were both able to kind of hear the other person's perspective and realize that we had really overshot the mark by trying to put our kids ahead of the, our sacrament, the sacrament of marriage. Yes. and we yes. we are committed to each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was the public commitment that we made and our kids are a fruit of our of our love and our commitment in our marriage right but they cannot trump our commitment to each other. Mm-hmm. and um, so that unfortunately, it was kind of painful to have to come to that realization. Mm-hmm. And I find there's a lot of uh, I get feedback from women when I say, you know, one time, I wrote about how we were lucky enough to get invited to go to this really nice event, and we were gone half the day. And like I said, I didn't have a whole bunch of little ones at home, so my life is a little bit different. But it was funny in the article the uh, some of the comments that uh, that people wrote on social media was like suggesting that I was I didn't have a clue about what it was like to have small babies and Mm. that we're going to break parental bonds if we go out on a date with our husband. Or, Mm. you know, this is unrealistic because we don't all have money to go and do that. And certainly I'm not suggesting that we break parental bonds or that we spend money that we don't have. But I think sometimes we (laughs) women use our families as an excuse to be attentive to our husbands. Uh Uh-huh. And um, and I think also, I'm going to say, like, especially sexually, I think it's a temptation for women to use NFP as an excuse to communicate, you know, and so they don't communicate with mm-hmm. their husband in the way maybe sometimes he would most desire. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not suggesting that we relegate our children to un- the unimportant category in our lives, right. but I am suggesting that we... Maintain communication, all forms, you know, r- r- spoken and sexual communication yep. with our husbands as as primary in our, in our lives. Mm -hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, you want your kids to grow up in a loving environment and what a better way to just emphasize the love in your family than to like work on the love in your sacrament of marriage. We've been talking about like family of origin. Like if you want your children to be able to look back on their lives and be like, this is a point where my dad really loved my mom, or this is a point where my my mom loved my dad so well, decisions that we're making on the day-to-day basis. And it's so easy, like you said, to just, you know, well, you know, this, this child like has been up all night. I really don't want to, you know, spend time with my husband or spend time with communicating. It's a sacrifice sometimes. Absolutely. But we've been, we're vowed to a, a sacrament of marriage. And that's so important. It's so easy to just shove to the back and be like, well, you know, in 18 kid 18 years when the kids are out of the house, then we can get back to loving each other. Like, no, like marriage and, and kids isn't a pause button on loving your spouse. Like it should be you know, you know, with God, God's help and a lot of grace, a time to grow up closer to each other.
1: Absolutely. And I, and you know, to, to further that, I think we're so creative. Like if there's something that our kids need and mm-hmm. we, we are struggling with the means to provide it, we're creative. I'm yep. creative. I figure out a way. Yep. And sure, we don't always have the extra cash to go out on dates, or we may not have a babysitter on the ready, or maybe we live far from family. Mm-hmm. But we can still be creative about how to keep our marriage as the first and foremost priority. Right. You know, You know. We, we don't have to just, you know, say, oh, like you said, 18 years, we'll get to know each other. And the other thing that I would say is that in keeping that marriage as the priority, your day-to-day experiences with your kids mm-hmm. are so much richer. Yep. My husband last, Week took my daughter, my seven-year-old, um, mm-hmm. out to. She's been begging to go with him when he takes my son to an activity, and she has just been begging for for a month. And so finally, he was like, "Come on, come on, it's <laughs> late, and it breaks the rules." And so, but he let her do it, and he took her to Friendly's to get some ice cream, yeah. and he sent this picture of her. And we had been talking about when when should she go? You know, you know, just trying to work out the different dynamics right, right. about her going and it was just this most darling picture of mm-hmm. her little face her little angelic face behind this mound of ice cream oh. and it was so and and he uh, the caption wrote pure joy oh, and and i just thought we he and i together even though i wasn't there we i can only share in that moment with him mm-hmm. I, there's no one else in the whole world that knows what that little mound of ice cream and that caption means. Except John. Except it's right. except Tim and me. Right. That's it. Yep. And so, why would I want to put that on hold for eighteen years? It's right. going to make my life so much richer. My my relationships, with my kids, so much richer if they know that their dad and I are are in it together. Right. And that we're not perfect, we
0: make lots of mistakes, mm-hmm. but that we're committed to each other first mm-hmm. and then to them. That's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah, and such yeah, something that's so easy to forget in the in the throes and in the trenches of little people and, and toddlers and yeah, yeah, so important. So important. This is kind of switching gears a little bit. In your book, you talk about how we're just talking about, like, imperfection as a parent, and it's we're not perfect, we're messy, we make mistakes, and you talk about how you don't know how to keep your kids Catholic, and and there's a fear in our hearts of many Catholic parents. How do we balance being examples to our kids about what a Catholic faith lived out looks like while at the same time, like, very delicate balance of, like, not managing our kids' spiritual lives? And you write about this so beautifully in this book.
1: Oh, that's kind. Well, (laughs) because I'm constantly trying to... (laughs) Release the reins of control.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> so it's really, I'm talking to myself. This whole book really is a preaching device. It's not preaching at all, I hope. I pray, yep. please, Lord, not, not to have it be preachy, but I am talking to myself. Yep. It's so funny. A few years ago, I went to this conference, and this priest gave this beautiful talk on Lexio Divina, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, all about prayer, and I re- it was an hour-long talk, and I remember after I heard the talk, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to abandon my evil ways and pray <laughs> like he just taught us, and it was it was just so beautiful, and he, he there was time for Q&A, and mm-hmm. so the first person who raised their hand was a woman, and her question was, Now, here she had been in this, and I I don't know, maybe she's a mystic, and she has mastered prayer. I Ah. mean, perhaps that is the case, that she she is communing with God in such an intimate way that her only remaining question was this, how do we impart onto our children this method of prayer? Mm. And it was so striking to me, because I thought, I mean, I... I took away about 10 things I could have done differently, and none of them had to do with my kids. Yep. And I just, it was striking to me that that was her question. Now, it's beautiful. Just like you said, we, we have a duty as Catholic parents to to teach our kids, mm-hmm. to be good examples to our kids, to mm-hmm. witness faith to our kids. So I'm not saying that we should just abandon that job of teaching kids to pray altogether. Right. But it's such a balance of, you know, superimposing ideals onto our children that we ourselves are not even trying to practice Mm
2: -hmm. either. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, like if you're reading a beautiful spiritual book and the first thing you think of is how you want your spouse to read the book or how you want your eighth grade kid who's not going to confession regularly to read the book, I think that should give us pause Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't know about you, but I don't bring them into the confessional with me to to recount their sins. I mean, I'm having to be... (laughs) You know, I'm having to share where I'm falling right, and right. failing. And so I think we just have to be so careful about making sure that we're really tending to our own spiritual spiritual life mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and uh, being good examples in that area. And like you said, we're not going to be perfect. Right. It's not going to be without struggle. But that if we put, if we put that as a priority first, Mm -hmm. then I think it becomes very easy to teach our kids and to try to expose them to the faith because they know that we're trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. A few few weeks ago, I went uh, to, actually it was last weekend, I went to confession Mm -hmm. and I got this very holy priest who was from India. Uh And he was very, in a very loving way, but very hardcore Mm -hmm. as he spoke to me after I confessed my sins. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience in the confessional where it where you're, you don't feel accused, but you feel challenged. Yep. That's how I felt. Yep. It was very loving, but this mm-hmm. guy was really saying, you need to knock it off <laughs> in a very <laughs> loving way. <laughs> and I had the thought while he was talking, I can accept this from him because mm-hmm. I know he is do- he is living what he's telling me to do. Right. I could just sense right. that this guy was putting his money where his mouth is. And I think the same is true for our parenting. Our kids are going to be able to listen to us, absorb what we're saying, do the things that we're saying to do. Mm -hmm. If they see that we have some skin in the game ourselves and that we are putting our money where our mouth is.
0: Right. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, yeah, to everything that we've been talking about, to knowing that your relationship with God, like... Your relationship with your kids is going to be better if you have a really good relationship with the Lord or if you're striving for a relationship with the Lord and being able to have that be an overflow into your kids' spiritual lives. Um, just as a living example of like this is what a life, an imperfect, striving, stumbling journey to sainthood looks like and it's messy and it's beautiful and versus, you know, the I have it all together. Even putting that facade on for your kids when it comes to your spiritual life, I have it all together and just being really honest with them and, and letting them know, yeah, like we go to confessions, like because we mess up and we have sins. It's true, and and I
1: think the greatest example of humility for our kids is that example of regularly going to confession. Yes. Because we we don't have it all figured out, but if they see that we're willing to humble ourselves and Mm -hmm. go in front of the priest in persona Christi and pour out our failings and mistakes, I think that is so powerful, you know, informative for them. Right. And of course, not in a manipulative way, but in no. a never no. having to say a word kind of way right. that right. I, I really believe that God can heal me and my, in my, in my brokenness, I'm not doing, I, I don't have it all figured out, but you children are seeing me go here before the sacrament to get the graces I need. And mm-hmm. I think that that, that can revolutionize the way our kids practice their faith yeah. potentially.
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. We've been talking this whole conversation about how it's important to realize it's that good enough is good enough. Uh, the title of your book. Why is it important to realize that we're going to be imperfect parents despite our best efforts?
1: Yeah, that that's a good question. I mean, I, I think we want to be so perfect and mm-hmm. do everything the right way, but I think for myself, I forget that that my standards are not necessarily God's standards, and right. sometimes the things i'm trying to to do in my daily life are not necessarily the things that he finds most important mm-hmm. like you know like I, we've been switching this is a stupid example but we've been switching over the kids winter clothes to the summer yeah. clothes yeah. and it's a huge job you know mm-hmm. i have six kids so you just imagine the amount of clothing right <laughs> <laughs> and i want to always do it perfectly like yep. i want to have the bins labeled yep. and i want everything to be organized and accessible and you know, just I, I want so that it's easy, right. and I can spend so much time obsessing about that that system, mm-hmm. which is good and useful. Yes, yeah. but then still fail to really prioritize prayer mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. a small sacrifice that I know will leave me a little bit emptier in order to connect with God, right. or I'm so rude. <laughs> In the way I'm talking to my kids as we're trying to organize the clothes, yep. that I, I I pick these things that that I want to be perfect but aren't the thing at all that God is really wanting me to focus my attention on, if that makes sense. Yep. I mean, yep. I think he He's okay with me trying to provide order, but what He really wants is me to have a loving heart right. as I organize the clothes, and then I feel gratitude that we have clothes to organize to begin with. Right. that's that I'm, gr- I'm thankful that my kids are willing to help participate in this, you know, organizational strategy session yep. instead of just griping about the whole thing and being grouchy <laughs> and yelling at people and telling them to get out of my way as yep. I go. It's so true. I have to be good enough instead of, <laughs> you know, I have to be good
0: enough. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and it's such Instead a like. Perfect, yes, it. and it's such a journey too. Like it is such a long, beautiful journey of like that coming to that realization. Like there's always something new to learn about how how God is calling us to just abide in a season and to not have it together, but just to exist in Him and to rest.
1: Yeah, and and really, when I ask God, you know, inviting Him into those moments of my day where I find a struggle or a challenge,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times I, in the moment, I. I have some kind of nudge from the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, yeah, that's important. This thing over here is the thing I want you to be focusing on, not that other dumb thing that you're worrying about. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I mean, the clarity is there if I ask.
0: Yep. Yeah. And just, yeah, taking the time to ask and realizing that, yeah, Mm -hmm. he has an answer and he wants to, he wants to show us, he wants to, to journey with us. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. If readers are listening or listeners are listening to the podcast and they want to pick up this book, where can they find your writing? Um, And then this is just this book makes such a great gift for Mother's Day. If people are still looking for that last minute gift, this is something that I think a lot of Catholic moms would really benefit from. Just a good conversation starter, even with other Catholic moms, too.
1: Yes, I hope so. We actually ran a pilot program. Uh, I wrote a companion study guide. Mm -hmm that goes with the book, and it's on my website or AveMariaPress.com's website. Mm-hmm. You can download the study guide for free to awesome. use in small faith sharing groups. Yeah, And it's been, it, we, the parish let me run a pilot program in it, before the book was released, and it was, at first I thought I was just, I was biased because it was my book, <laughs> but all the ladies at the end, I'm not kidding, they all said, I do not want this to be over, mm-hmm. because I think it's hard to be, uh, talk about some of those more real struggles that we have without right. feeling like we're throwing our family members under the bus. Right. And I found that the way the book is structured, it lent itself to those more honest, authentic conversations that women are really dying to have, yes. but they just don't know how to start them. Right. And so you can find that study guide, like I said, on my website. You can go to my website, ColleenMurphyDuggan.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can use um, Ave Maria Press. If you Google the book title "Good Enough Is Good Enough," the study guide, the companion study guide, should pop up, and you can use that uh, for small groups.
0: Beautiful. Oh, yeah, that would be so fruitful. Especially, like you said, like we all want—we want heart to hearts. We want deep, meaningful conversations. But sometimes we just need—we just need a conversation starter. We just need a question to get us going. Yeah, yeah, and that's what this book did. And it—it—it it, it couched
1: it in with the scriptures so first there's some gospel reflection and mm-hmm. time to really like pray over God's word and and that set the tone for the conversation in a gentle but honest way
0: yeah and that community aspect of, of having other women around you and and learning from each other and sharing life together is so important especially as moms it's can be so easy to feel like we're alone or we're the only ones who have the struggle but the reality is is there there's a lot of us that are struggling with the same things and and we have a lot to to dig into as a community together Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. This is one of the last questions that I usually ask my guests, and it's one of my favorites. The podcast is about exploring the feminine genius. How, Colleen, how do you live out the feminine genius in your life as an as an imperfect, good enough is is good enough Catholic mama?
1: That is such a great question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I think a
1: practical way that I do that is I when I first came to my parish about uh, seven years ago, mm-hmm. I'm in a ten thousand person parish, there was no women's ministry, not wow. not a book club, not a oh mom's group, gosh. nothing. And so after I was kind of out of the survival mode of uh, baby yes. babyhood, <laughs> I, a few years ago, started a women's group, mm-hmm. a women's ministry in my parish. Yeah. And the thing, the way that I live out my feminine genius, I think um, that I feel really, really compelled really like I feel called by God, Mm -hmm. is to bring women together in in a communal way Mm -hmm. to grow in their faith and love of God and also to learn from each other and to share the joys and the struggles of daily life. And, you know, like you were saying about your podcast, Being Life-Giving, that work in the women's ministry and and through also my writing and the Mm -hmm. women that I encounter through my writing. Has been just such a tremendous gift to me, and I I feel really alive and on fire for God, yeah. in that work. Um, so I'm not perfect, like you know. Ever, you know, <laughs> uh, we have mistakes that I make in my, you know, in my work over there. But yeah. it has been a true gift to me that yes, I I, t- I undertook the initial step to get it going, mm-hmm. but that I, I have reaped great blessings and rewards from my involvement there, and it's been a true nourishment to my daily life.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks just so much for your authenticity. For just, It's vulnerable to have to admit that you don't have it together, and you do this in such a beautiful, welcoming way, and so thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your story as a Catholic wife and mom.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all your good, beautiful work that you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode, please share this message with the other Catholic mamas in your life. Our lives as women can be so much richer if we're in this together and if we're committed to helping each other in this adventure of parenting. The show notes for this week are chock full of amazing resources from Colleen's website and from around the web. You can find them online at oldfashionedgirlblog.com. If you have a few extra minutes, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes so that more women can find these conversations and these resources. If you want access to a brand new behind-the-scenes monthly podcast where I'll be exploring the writings of St. John Paul II, he's one of my favorites, and how different pit saints lived out the feminine genius in their daily lives, Check out my Patreon page at patreon.com letters to women. Thanks for listening. That's all I have for this episode. But until next time, be not afraid.